0: You're listening to The Lunar Body, a podcast for feminist menstruators who want to manage their health naturally and supernaturally through nutrition, herbalism, and intuitive expansion using science and the moon as your guides. Hello and welcome to The Lunar Body. I'm your host, Kristen Ciccolini, period priestess, nutritionist, and the founder of Good Witch Kitchen. Today we'll be talking about meal planning for your menstrual cycle. And I know it's weird that I'm a nutritionist, it took me 40 episodes to get to this, but the reason I didn't feel a strong need to do it in depth was because I already had the basics outlined in the biohacking episode from season one and also in a mini guide that you can download on my website. Some of you may have already done that. It's called Syncing with the Moon for a Better Flow. And it gives a handy overview of the four phases of the menstrual cycle, the correspondences with the lunar cycle and the seasons, and how you can support your body through e- food in each phase. And you might still want to download it after listening to this episode just to have a quick reference guide, and you can get that at goodwitchkitchen.net slash flow. Now, before I get into it, as always, this information is for educational purposes only. It is not medical advice, and it's your responsibility to speak to a qualified healthcare provider about your unique needs. The final decision when considering any diet or lifestyle change, whether it's discussed on the internet in a podcast or prescribed by your doctor, is always your own. As a cycle-syncing nutritionist, I am asked all the time, what should I eat to have a happier period? maybe not in those exact words but those are the words i'm using happy period well no food is going to cure all of your menstrual woes like no one singular food supporting the processes that are happening in your body throughout your cycle can help so eating for your cycle it can help you reduce pms symptoms it can also support your body's healing ability to get your period back if your menstrual phase has gone missing for some reason you can lose your period if you're not eating enough if you're over exercising if you're chronically stressed among other reasons And since your period is a vital sign, a missing period is a strong indicator that something needs attention, and you can work with a health practitioner to pinpoint that cause and use that as a jumping off point to figure out how to plan your meals. However, and I stress this often, eating for your cycle is sort of like a more advanced level of menstrual health and hormone balance. You want to first make sure that you have the basics in place, because even though things like sleep and stress management are Kind of boring topics compared to all the exciting things you can do to match your phases or match the phases of your cycle. These things are a little bit less novel, but they're also more important to your overall goal. And once you have the basics in place, then you can level up and start to tailor your food to your cycle. Trying to do everything all at once will just overwhelm you. And I've talked about this before, but let's just do a little refresher. Here's your mental checklist Are you eating enough? Do your meals have a good balance of the three macronutrients, so that's protein, fat, and carbohydrates? Are you drinking enough water? Are you going to the bathroom regularly? Are you sleeping? Are you reducing stress? Are you moving your body? As fun as it is, I'm speaking from experience, as fun as it is to have a cabinet full of very well-branded superfood powders and smoothie add-ins and herbs to fit that hot girl wellness routine, these things are not going to offer much in the way of hormone balance without a good foundation in place. Again, once you have the basics down, then you can start fine-tuning based on what symptoms still remain. And your wallet and your uterus will thank you. So let's go through these a little bit. The first two questions that I just asked you about whether you're eating enough and whether your meals are balanced have to do with blood sugar regulation. Blood sugar regulation is fundamental to hormone balance and the health of your menstrual cycle, and you can keep it stable with eating balanced meals, so that balance I just talked about, protein, fat, and carbs, eating regularly, so not going for too long between meals other than when you're sleeping. Uh, Also not limiting your portions based on the amount someone else decided for you. So just blindly following serving sizes or assuming that a healthy meal plan you downloaded is going to be perfectly tailored to your body's unique needs, which leads to the next way to keep it stable, follow your intuition and listen to your hunger and fullness cues. This is more important than predetermined serving sizes. Drinking enough water is also important for circulating nutrients and hormones around the body. Also supporting your pathways of elimination and hydrating your muscles too. Remember that the uterus is a muscular organ. And if your muscles are dehydrated, they can cramp up. One of the pathways of elimination is pooping. We eliminate used and excess hormones through the stool. So if you're constipated, which can happen with dehydration, estrogen can reabsorb into the body and contribute to estrogen dominance. So if you're already experiencing that, that can make it worse. Or constipation can be a cause of estrogen dominance. So this is a common cause of many period related issues. So you may want to make sure that you are going to the bathroom regularly by drinking enough water, also eating enough fiber. So that's part of the balanced meals aspect, the carbs or the fiber can be your carbs. Then the other basics sleep and stress, they go hand in hand because one often impacts the other. Going without sleep can create mental and physical stress, and then on the flip side, flip side, stress can lead to trouble falling or staying asleep. We require sleep not just for energy, but for the repair and rejuvenation processes that happen overnight, and this includes brain cleansing, liver detoxification, and gut repair among the many, many other jobs that your body does overnight. But with stress, chronic repeated stress, that throws a wrench in the gears of those repair processes that happen during sleep and also many other processes in the body. We've evolved so that coping with stress is our body's number one priority. And so to do that, our energy is diverted away from things we don't need for immediate survival in order to cope with that stress. Things like digestion and reproduction. So that's you may notice when you're stressed, your period is delayed or you're not pooping as much, you're kind of backed up. So that is just a survival, a coping mechanism. And this is a major reason for hormone imbalances and period issues. So zeroing in on the source of stress in your life can really make a difference in your PMS and other period problems. If you wanna learn more about the stress sleep cycle, I do have a virtual workshop you can download on my website called Sleeping Your Way to Less Stress, and I'll link that in the show notes. It covers how stress works in the body and what it means to have quality sleep, five menstrual cycle-related reasons you might be having sleep issues, ideas for more impactful morning and evening rituals, how to determine your sleep-wake pattern, your ideal sleep-wake pattern, and foods and herbs to help cope with stress and to have more restful sleep. So that is on my website. I'll put the link in the show notes. Then finally, we have moving your body. Are you doing that regularly? Rather than following a strict fitness routine, I like to look at exercise as sort of a choose your own adventure kind of thing based on where you are in your cycle because energy levels vary day to day throughout your cycle. So daily high intensity workouts aren't always going to feel good and they can create physical stress the more you resist your cyclical needs. And I might have mentioned this before, but it might put things in perspective here. If you're worried about not sticking to a strict fitness plan, less than 40% of participants in exercise studies are women. So a lot of the research behind exercise or fitness plans, as with most things, is more for cis men because that's who the studies focus on. Certain workouts are just better for their constitutions. And so the blanket recommendation for everyone based on male-centered research can add to your period problems. So keep that in mind as you try to release yourself from the idea that you must go hard all the time. And you can still have a routine. I love a routine. I recommend scheduling time to work out, but not deciding what that workout will be until you wake up and check in with yourself because you'll still have that container of time for moving your body, but you can do so in a way that aligns with your needs. And this becomes intuitive over time as you get to know your cycle and personal rhythm so you can plan out a more specific routine once you get to know your body better. But as you're learning that, I just suggest not deciding the type of activity that you're going to do until the day of. So those are the basics that you want to have in place before taking that next step of tailoring your food to your cycle. These are simple things that you already know about, and they have to be in place before adding more complicated layers of herbs and supplements into your routine. Um, And may I remind you, they are called supplements for a reason. They're intended to supplement a healthy diet and lifestyle, not replace. Okay, so say you're working through the basics, but you still need to meal prep. So if you're new to meal prepping and planning, I recommend that you do not add more stress to your life and try to plan and cook 21 meals from scratch. Just start with like one or two. What will make the biggest difference in your day? Start there maybe you get to have leisurely mornings because you work from home and so the time that you'd spend commuting is now spent preparing a nice breakfast but by the time lunch comes around you're knee deep in work and you cannot think about it so lunch in that case would be the one you'd want to focus on while you get the hang of this i like to look at meal planning as having three complexity levels and i don't want to say difficulty levels because this should not be difficult the whole point is to make our lives easier so I name it as like simple, medium, because I couldn't think of another word, and ambitious. Those are the three levels. So simple would be a super bare bones list of what you're eating that day, written down ahead of time so that when mealtime comes, you're not wasting time staring in the fridge, hoping something new and interesting will magically appear. And then the things on your list don't have to come out of your own kitchen. So maybe, you know, breakfast is scrambled eggs that you make for yourself. Maybe lunch is you go to Sweetgreen, and then dinner is whatever, like a a meal planning kit or or meal delivery kit. So it doesn't necessarily have to come out of your own kitchen. Just writing down what you're going to eat and where it's coming from, the idea is to know what your plan is ahead of time so you can be more efficient and know exactly how you're going to meet your needs. Lower that stress level. Medium would be prepping the one or two meals that make the biggest impact on your day. So... For instance, on Sunday afternoon, making a huge salad that'll last the whole week. Or if you're not going to put the salad together, prepping the components. For instance, washing and chopping the lettuce, slicing your peppers, baking the chicken breasts, cooking a batch of grains, whatever you need to do. And you can pull from these all week. You can use them in different ways. So maybe you throw them all together for a salad. Maybe you roll it up in a wrap with different dressing to switch up the flavor. However you want to do it. You can use different dressings, different spices. If you use the same components throughout the week but switch up those flavors, it can make it a lot easier or more exciting, I should say. So medium level, it takes some thoughtfulness and creativity, and it'll prep you for the ambitious level, which is planning out your whole week. And again, not everything has to come out of your own kitchen, even if you are planning the whole week, nor do you have to stick to it all 100%. But knowing what's what ahead of time saves you time, it saves you money, and it saves you stress down the line. So if you're focusing on getting the basic aspects of wellness down and you're trying to make sure you have balanced meals, then I would go with the easy or medium meal prep as you're doing that. Nothing too overwhelming. Now, say you have the basics down and you're ready to do some cycle syncing meal planning. Well, here's all the info you've finally been waiting for. Sorry to drag this out, but I just think it's important to be transparent that the basics are not to be forgotten about. It is so easy to forget about it when we're looking for the next big thing that'll finally solve all of our problems when really food, water, sleep, stress, exercise, taking care of all of those actually solves a lot of problems or can reduce them quite a bit. And the entire wellness industry pretty much thrives on you forgetting that or ignoring it in hopes that their product will change your life. But you're pretty powerful. You can change your life on your own. And for the most part, I should say, I know everyone has different needs, but again, the basics can radically reduce a lot of problems so that you're better able to focus your energy on what truly needs attention. There's just less to contend with. So you're not spraying a fire hose at the entire situation because you can't really see what's going on. So do. Doing it this way, getting the basics down, will provide you with more clarity on where you need to go from there. So we start with the follicular phase of your cycle, the first half. This is referred to as the proliferative phase. Proliferate is to increase or grow, and that's what's happening both energetically and also physically, as estrogen is a hormone that builds. And as it rises, it builds the lining of your uterus, also known as the endometrium. Taking this into consideration, you'll want to enjoy foods that have lots of energy within them to support that physical and mental growth. Remember, your mental energy is also growing at this time too. And if you haven't listened to the very first episode of this podcast and you want a primer on what happens throughout the cycle in each phase, you'll want to go back to that to have a better understanding of what I'm talking about here. For this phase, you'll want to incorporate living and active foods. Now, what do I mean by that? By living in active foods, I mean things like fermented foods and fresh produce. Fermented foods contain probiotics, which can can support the bacteria in your gut that helps your body regulate estrogen. Produce in general also contain enzymes and beneficial bacteria, but fermented foods have higher probiotic content. And this means things like kimchi and sauerkraut, which are types of fermented cabbage, tofu and tempeh, which are fermented soybean. Miso can also be made from soy, but also chickpeas, rice, you'll find a few different options, especially if you go to Whole Foods, they've got a bunch. Also, there's yogurt and kefir, fermented milk. So keep an eye on the source. If you normally can't tolerate dairy, depending on your level of sensitivity, fermented dairy like these may be better tolerated. Or perhaps you can find a version that's made from goat's milk or sheep's milk instead of cows. That's another option that may be better tolerated. Or you can just skip dairy entirely and find versions made of coconut. So coconut, yogurt, and kefir. Now when I say sprouted foods, I'm talking about nuts, grains, or seeds that have been soaked in water. What this does is remove something called phytic acid, which is a natural sprout inhibitor on these foods. Sprouting is the beginning of plant growth. Soaking softens the heart exterior. And if you soak it long enough, you'll see that it sprouts kind of like a tail. And that's the growth you're looking for. It unlocks additional nutrients. And sprouting actually increases the food's nutrient content because you've removed this phytic acid. Think about a seed and all the nutrition and power that's in there. It has to grow into a strong and beautiful new plant. That A lot of that is inside the seed, not just the soil, but the seed. And all of that is contained in there. The evolutionary purpose of the phytic acid then is to keep it from growing into a plant inside your body, basically. So think of an animal eating the plant. The seed has that phytic acid so it can make its way through the animal's digestive tract until it's eliminated and eventually deposited into the soil where it gets rained on and it can sprout and grow. Make sense? Sprouting unlocks all that extra nutrition and all those extra vitamins and minerals support this proliferative stage of the cycle. You can sprout yourself or you can find sprouted nuts and seeds and grains at the grocery store. It's a lot of good energetic support for your body. Taking it to another level, if you're seed cycling, you can use sprouted seeds there. It's not 100% necessary, but they'll just be extra nutritious if these things are sparted. Seed cycling is a method of regulating the cycle through targeted nutrition if you haven't Heard about that. If you want to learn more about seed cycling, you can listen to uh, episode 23 of the podcast with Kate from Funkit Wellness, which is a great company that offers seed cycling kits. You can use code Kristen15 to get 15% off by going to goodwitchkitchen.net slash Funkit. The code is Kristen, K R I S T E N, 15 at goodwitchkitchen.net slash Funkit. But essentially, it's eating two tablespoons of pumpkin and flax seeds a day in the first half of your cycle, and then two tablespoons of sesame and sunflower seeds in the second half of your cycle. The purpose of pumpkin and flaxseed in this phase is that pumpkin seeds are rich in zinc, which supports ovarian function and progesterone production, while flax seeds have lignants that help regulate estrogen production by inhibiting any excess. They also contain phytoestrogens, which are plant-based compounds that mimic our body's natural estrogen hormones. I have a recipe for mocha seed cycling cookies on my website that you can do this with. You can also try my pumpkin spice baked oatmeal using sprouted oats. And I have a recipe for veggie sushi. That'll be great in the follicular phase. And all of these recipes on my site, they are organized by cycle phase, so you can search for them through that. Also, I know I haven't updated the recipes in a really long time, but it takes time to develop and test things, and I just have not had the patience, so sorry about that. But there's already a good amount there that you can search through. Next is the ovulatory phase. This is still part of the proliferative phase, but when estrogen and energy are reaching their peak, there's a lot of buzzing activity with your mental and physical energy, and when you're out of balance, this might manifest as anxiety, or you might find yourself over committing to things. Your food can help you kind of take it down a notch and be a little bit more regulated. And the focus here for food is on detoxification because you want to support your body in eliminating excess hormones. And remember what I said earlier about constipation. The bowels help us eliminate estrogen and constipation can cause those hormones to be reabsorbed in the body. We don't want that to happen. We want to detoxify and eliminate and support the organs that help us do that. So the liver detoxifies excess estrogen and the bowels help remove them from the body. Lots of fresh and raw produce have the nutrients and fiber you need to support this process. Fiber is one of the key elements of a balanced meal and also so important for your digestion and gut health. It helps you go to the bathroom regularly. Some of you might feel like you can't tolerate raw produce, like it just kind of sits in your stomach and it's hard to digest. It may be easier for you around ovulation because this is when your digestion is typically the strongest. So if you tend to avoid it, consider experimenting with it in this phase to see if it's a little bit easier during ovulation. In terms of starchier carbs like grains and legumes, since your energy is typically at its peak here, you don't need as much of these things for fuel, and you can get your fiber from fruits and veggies, which also provides an antioxidant called glutathione that supports liver detoxification. If you're seed cycling, you'll want to continue here with the pumpkin and flax. Transitioning into the luteal phase, this half of the cycle is known as the secretory phase. Not secretory as in your uterus is full of secrets, but secretory as in the chemicals that are secreted by the uterine lining in this phase. Some of the chemicals are prostaglandins, which can potentially contribute to period cramps if they're produced out of balance. So the follicular phase was proliferative, and the luteal phase is secretory. The lining that's built up pre-ovulation will continue to build in the first week of the luteal phase, and then if you're not pregnant, it'll begin to break down in the second. So in this phase, the body's coming down from that ovulation high as well. Energy starts out strong, and it wanes over the course of the next two weeks. You'll want to support progesterone production and luteal phase process with foods rich in B vitamins, calcium, magnesium, fiber, and complex carbs, all of which contribute to energy production. Complex carbohydrates in particular contain fiber, which support detoxification, also regulates your blood sugar, and keeps your energy nice and steady. These are things like grains, legumes, you know, like beans and lentils, starchy vegetables like squash, sweet potato, and other root vegetables. So the luteal phase is when PMS symptoms arise, one of which may be cravings. This is something I recommend exploring a little bit further and put your intuitive eating skills into practice. On episode 28, Behind the PMS Cravings, I talk about the differences between physical hunger and emotional hunger. And you can use that for a little bit of guidance with your cravings. I also talk about the reasons you might have cravings for specific things. So if it's physical hunger, it's your body's signal that your needs haven't been met yet. And this might feel confusing because maybe you're eating as much as you normally do, but different things can contribute to how much food we need, like to support physical activity, for instance. If you're working out a lot, you're going to need to eat more. But also, our needs change throughout our cycle too. Your metabolism is faster in the luteal phase. This means you burn through your fuel faster. And this is often the reason why you might feel ravenous. And you consider that a PMS symptom, but really, you just typically need more food in this phase. We mistake our natural biological signal for sustenance with something unnatural. We call it a case of poor willpower, and we resist it. And that restriction can cause so many problems mentally, physically. It just doesn't feel good. And you just need more food to meet your metabolic needs in this phase. And when you understand that, you can give yourself a little bit of grace because we are so conditioned to think that the less food, the better. But that's diet culture. And more doesn't necessarily equal bad. Just keep in mind the principles of intuitive eating, recognize your hunger and fullness cues, and making intentional decisions. If you're seed cycling, this is where you'll switch over to sesame and sunflower seeds. Sesame seeds also contain those lignans that bind to excess estrogen, while sunflower seeds contain selenium, which is an important mineral for hormone health that supports your liver in detoxifying those excess hormones. Then finally, we have the menstrual phase. You know how you feel during your period. Your body calls for quiet, rest, and restorative practices. Take cues from what's happening in the body to select recipes for your meal plan. Comforting foods, also anti-inflammatory foods. Menstruation is naturally inflammatory, so we can support the body with foods that calm that little fire. There's also blood loss, of course, and this calls for nutrient-dense and hydrating foods to replenish what's lost in this phase, especially if you have a heavy flow. This will include fresh produce, raw if you can tolerate it so you can get that extra hydration, or cooked if that feels better for you. Also, I love a good green juice here, but as a supplement, not as a meal replacement. Seafood is another good option here. It's mineral rich. Also, if you go for fatty fish like salmon, the omega-3 fats they have are anti-inflammatory. But if you don't have fish in your diet, omega-3s are also in walnuts and chia seeds. You might also like some chamomile tea during your period. It's also anti-inflammatory and calming for your nervous system. If you want a smoothie, I have a chocolate cherry smoothie recipe on my site that works well here too. The raw cacao powder contains magnesium that can be helpful for cramps. And you can even use chamomile tea as the base instead of the coconut water that it calls for if you want some additional herbal action. It's hydrating, it's one of my favorites. I will also link to a blog post that has a bunch of recommended recipes throughout the cycle. And again, you you can always sort through all the recipes on my site by cycle phase by using the links in the navigation. So that is how you can tailor your meal plan to your menstrual cycle. When it comes to meal planning, I know people get overly stuck on the details. So I want to emphasize that your hormones will not collapse if you have a menstrual phase recipe during your ovulatory phase. Foods are not isolated nutrients. They contain multitudes, and they're helpful all around. So while you can eat for your cycle if it works out for your calendar – the most important things are that you have all those basics I talked about in place, that you're meeting your needs throughout the day, you're having your three meals, you're eating when you're hungry, having a variety of different foods to support your body. Once you have those things down, then you may notice differences as you tailor your meals to your cycle. If you try this out, I would love to know how it goes. I would love to hear about your experience. You can always send me an email at, the at gmail.com. And that's that on that. That is the meal planning for a healthy menstrual cycle episode. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening to The Lunar Body. This one-woman production is listener-supported, and if you'd like to support the show, you can check out the podcast perks in the show notes. Visit my virtual tip jar at goodwitchkitchen.net slash tip, or you can subscribe and leave a rating or review in iTunes so other lovely lunar feminists like you find my show. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email me at thelunarbody at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at goodwitchkitchen. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time. I'm gonna go